Okay, and welcome to Raising the Bar. I am your host, Darren Mulcahy, and today I am joined by my good friend, Gar Ben. How are you, Gar? Yo, what's up, Darren, man? How are you keeping? Good, 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 good. Thanks for joining us, Gar. I really, really appreciate it. Um, uh, you're well, keeping good. Pleasure, dude. Yeah, brilliant. Myself and Gar go back, uh, I suppose, about three years now. Gar has quite an impressive resume, okay, and I'll let him get into it in a second, but we go back about three years and we have a good old relationship going on and uh, I still really appreciate him jumping on here and giving up his time to chat to me all the way here in Waterford. <laughs> <laughs> love it, man. Absolutely love it. Good. Um, so, so Garrett, for, any, for anyone listening, anyone new jumping on, this podcast is based around kind of all things health, happiness and strength. And to be honest, I could have got Garrett to talk about either of or each of those three um aspects okay so so gar has a real impressive uh story of how he got his health um to a really good level and i'll let him explain that in a second uh happiness if anyone knows gar he's really openly you know he's an openly caring and happy guy you if you follow him on instagram you'll see regular pictures of his wife and his kids it's really really nice to see and strength all things strength and for anyone that doesn't know gar he's the owner of probably one or owner of one of the top powerlifting gyms in Ireland but also a co-owner of Titan Support Systems and the European Powerlifting Conference okay so that's just some of Gareth's small bits but what we have him on today to talk about is primarily going to be on nutrition and he is one of the coaches with Sigma Nutrition um, which is Danny Lennon's company uh, based in Ireland right. here so without further ado I'm going to hand you over to Gar. And Gar, if you wouldn't mind, I've done a small introduction to you, but would you mind giving me a bit more of a, a backdrop on who exactly you are? Sure, sure. Um, where do you want me to start, man? Um, maybe if you, would you mind uh, telling the story about how you got into health and fitness in general? For sure. I, I, I kind of had a feeling that's what you were aiming at. Yeah, I like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so basically, if anyone's heard this before, I apologize and I'll keep it short. Uh, but about a decade ago, uh, I was doing electronic engineering in college. Uh, actually, just a little bit before that, it was my leaving cert first. And woke up one morning, super sharp pain, uh, right side of my chest. And it started spreading right from the top up where the collarbone is. Uh, pushed its whole way down. Um, the, the whole way, just everything was excruciating. Uh, went to my GP and I said to him, hey, uh, shortness of breath. Uh, I can't really stand up straight. I got this pain that's covering basically... At this stage, the entire right side of my body, I don't know what's going on. So he just put his hand up to my back. He knocked on one side, put it on the other side, knocked on it again. He just said, he goes, oh, you have a collapsed lung. You need to go to the hospital. I was like, cool. Uh, I was like, should I go like today, tomorrow? Like, should I take some painkillers today or, or what? And he's like, you need to go immediately and have surgery. I was like, oh, shit, okay. So jumped in the car, drove out to the hospital. Had no idea what was in the store. I, I, I walked in, uh, hunched over. Uh, I walked up to the counter and said, hey, I've got a collapsed lung. Um, I, I need to do something with it, you know? Because I, I, I didn't ask any questions. So I just, <laughs> I was like, hey, I have a collapsed lung and I don't know what to do. Um, so your mom was kind of looking at me, kind of half laughing because she thought I wasn't serious. Got the x-ray. It was a collapsed lung or what they call a spontaneous pneumothorax, which means spontaneous. They don't know why it happens. Pneumothorax means collapsed lung. Um, so I went in a couple of hours of surgeries and tubes and, and whatever, and just a small, funny point on that. Uh, I keep up to date with like 
the research that's been done on spontaneous pneumothorax, again, it's just interesting. There's no reason it happens, you know? And only last week, they've uh, come up with new measures of their, their new idea is to not touch it at all, at least for two weeks, which I find very funny because anyone that's been through, and I, I know quite a few people that have been through the this, this surgeries, they're excruciating, like they're so bad. Um, because it's a, a lung issue, because your lung function is so low, they can't give you anything to really sedate you because your lung function can drop below where it is. So you have to be basically awake and for the most part, kind of not really numbed up in any way, which <laughs> fucking sucks. And um, so that, that was, that was new with Thorax one. And I had two more. So that was, um, that was Valentine's day, the year of my leave insert. And then February 15th, the year afterwards. So a year and a day, I had the exact same thing once again. Um, so when you have one, the, the recurrence rate is quite high unless you get a few years past it. So right side collapsed again. And if the same side collapses multiple times, you have to go for an even bigger surgery. So they shipped me up to St. James's in Dublin. Um, and I got a surgery, which means I had to take like six, seven months out uh, of my life just to recover. I was just sitting in a hospital for so long, man. It sucked. Um, thinking back to Limerick, I was back in college again. And a year and a month after that, the left side went, which just like at this stage, I'm having all sorts of anxiety and fucking, I just, I was in a bad way, man. So left side, got all the surgery, the minor surgeries done again on the left side and uh, ended up uh, for that one, dropping out of college as it happened. So I was in the hospital bed the day after the surgeries, dropped out of college. I was like, fuck this. I'm not, there's no, am I allowed to curse? definitely okay oh, <laughs> this fuck. is this Sorry. is a raw unedited version we don't edit anything we go straight good. in <laughs> good good uh, I, I always forget to ask that when i do a podcast and sometimes i can see the podcast like with the he winces every time i say something like oh no no all good all good perfect so yeah so that's um that was the left side dropped out of college and the only thing i wanted to do at the time was help people with health and wellness so that's actually where I came from. Uh, a lot of people I deal with now are in a performance aspect. Um, but where it started from and what I continue to do is just health, wellness, and as you said, man, keep people strong and happy, you know? Um, so that, that would be my full background is basically it all kind of my whole life pivoted around this, like what I think in total was four year period uh, of just like real ill health. And um the last thing the doctor said to me before I left was because they, they, they still have no research as to why it happens. Uh, but all they do know is that within a medical textbook, it says that tall, thin, young males uh, between the ages of 18 and 23 with fair colored hair and light colored eyes just seem to get it as, as weirdly specific as that is, except I'm not tall. So I kind of felt hard done by, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's the like medical definition they don't know why it must be genetic or it must yeah. be a genetic component of some sort um and he said the only thing that we've seen is if you put on weight it seems to stop the recurrence or uh drop down the recurrence amount so that's when i said about trying to get jacked and strong and i left the hospital on that day at 47 kilos man that was my last official weigh-in in the hospital <laughs> <laughs> fighting weight 47 kilos <laughs> i'm telling you man i was in the super lightweight so whatever you call it <laughs> bantam weight and yeah, yeah. so over that course of a couple of years you're now a very healthy you're roughly about 90 kilos gar 
Yeah, right. I'm up the, the high 90s now, 95, okay. 96. So over double body weight, which is class. <laughs> and and not you're not fat, there's just muscle on there, like, you know what I mean? So it, it, it's, it's, but it, it, it does take time. Putting on muscle is, is, is a slow burner, isn't it? Man, like that, that's one thing I absolutely love is, you, you know, you, you've probably got this already in your gym, is when people are joining, they're like, hey, I don't want to look like Arnold. I don't want to put on too much muscle. <laughs> I'm like, man, if you figure that out, fucking let me know because I still have, I'm a decade down the line and I still haven't put on too much muscle, you know? Yeah. But yeah. So as you said, man, it takes a long time to cultivate like real muscle mass and um, yeah, it's, it's probably a lifetime pursuit, man. Mm, definitely. And especially when you're, when you're doing it, you know, uh, from a natural point of view as well, that's, that's probably worth mentioning that for sure there is stuff that can speed it up, but when you're doing it natural, it is, it is a slow burner, but uh, yeah, that's a fan, like it's, it's a very interesting backstory. And as I said, like how people can sometimes overlook their health. They probably look at you and go head of, you know, head of a powerlifting hotbed in Limerick, but the, the, the backstory is actually so different. Like that's what I always find amazing. You go to city gym and there's, guys really pushing as you said performance in that top percent and you're the head yeah. guy and but your story was much more a health uh, background it just shows to For me sure, man. that they're all interlinked now do you know what i mean it um, has to be dude it has to be it? like I, I think during this kind of pandemic is the first time most people have ever actually sat back and thought about how like lucky they are to have their health you know mm-hmm. as you see stories as it was like sweeping the globe and getting closer to us you could you could sense the panic in people and uh, you could see just like for the first time, a lot of people had just thought about Jesus, I'm healthy, you know? And it, it's so good. Like you, you'll never have anything like health in your life. It's, it's something that just can't be wasted, you know? And like I said, it's probably people jump on here and they've an interest in powerlifting and stuff. But before like you even become a powerlifter, any sport, um, mm-hmm. you have to be healthy before it so there's an old saying you have to. Uh, like like health before performance or human before per- or athlete or whatever way you want to look at it but it, the health is the foundation of it and um yeah that's massive it's that's brilliant man that's, yeah it's really informative Gar. um so yeah so here we are and today we want to focus on nutrition and particularly nutrition for fat loss okay because i know that gar you deal with a lot of, of clients and they that is their primary goal is fat loss through sigma nutrition would that be correct that's correct man yeah. yeah. So I, I was thinking about this the other day and I think there's kind of two angles we could hit it at because anytime someone talks to me about like, oh, hey, you want to do a podcast on this? I always try to think of like what, what hook or what angle can we can we go at that will really um, give people like a lot of good info that they could use. Right. And I've noticed like a lot of the problems with relaying information is that you kind of end up too much on the scientific side or too much on fixated on numbers and stuff like that. So if it's okay with you, it'd be cool to really go down like that side first and then kind of talk about more practical things that I've done with clients within City Gym, within Sigma Online and kind of things that maybe you wouldn't think of because I, I think people are tending to, like when I started this, man, nobody gave a shit about science, mm-hmm. you know? You just go to the biggest guy in the gym and you ask him, hey, what do you do, man? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> what do you do to lose weight? And he's like, oh, it has to be fast and cardio. You know, you got to get up at 3 a.m. and 7 a.m. to have your casein shakes. And, you know, like th- these were the fat loss techniques, you know. Okay. Uh, we, 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 and that's a true story, by the way. Uh, that's what people used to do in the gym I started in. Um, but, yeah, so I, like now we're all obsessed with like, okay, what's, what's optimal? What's, mm. you know, do I have to have 1.8 grams per kilogram of protein or do I have to have 1.9 grams per kilogram? You know, like we're, we're so fixated on these things that we often for, forget that, 
there, as you said a minute ago, there's real people behind this who will actually need to know real information, right? So I think a way to start with, with, with the more numbers-based side of thing would be to kind of talk about uh, like, like what exactly are we looking for most of the time, right? And most of the time we're looking to put people into a calorie deficit and to increase uh, energy expenditure to some degree. Now, it's not just as simple as that. There's a lot more to it. But if you start there with most people, you're going to start seeing some really good results, right? Um, so if you have anyone that thinks about any form of tracking, it doesn't have to be macronutrient calorie tracking. It could be play tracking. It could be a food diary. It could be anything, right? But if you have someone tracking initially and you find out kind of where their baseline is at, it's quite easy to put them in a deficit, right? Like it's, it's something as coaches that mean you do all the time, right? Yeah. And then if we're looking at training, there's really, really easy ways to overload training over time, right? We know that we could put more weight on the bar. We know we could do more volume. We could set things up. Um, uh, real, real simple. And it, it, it's kind of easy when you have all the numbers and figures to kind of, uh, to kind of make things happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. And I think that's, and for anyone that's new to the whole idea of fat loss and Garrett just mentioned it, a calorie deficit is the most important thing that you must create. And I think that's probably, that's kind of the be all and end all of it. Garrett, that that must be created first before you go do anything fancy and frilly. For sure. And, and if, if uh, anyone's listening to this and they're kind of wondering, well, how would I do that? If, if I did want to track in, how would I go about that? An easy way to do it is uh, there's a million and one formulas out there that will probably give you a very inaccurate reading of where you're at, right? So what I would suggest is getting a tracking app. There's lots of good ones out there. The one that uh, I see people primarily use is MyFitnessPal. Um, and track seven to 14 days, right? Track your calorie intake uh, and your macronutrient intake and also your body weight. And what you'll find over time is that uh, you'll get an average figure for one week, second week, and an average figure over the two weeks. Um, and then you'll get an average body weight. And now you can say that at this calorie average, you end up at this body weight on average. And what you can do from here is create a very small deficit. Now, before I would be keen to jump on percentages and say to people, okay, well, you could jump down 4%, 6%, 10%, 20%, right? Uh, but, but I found more in recent times, the more people I work with, these percentages aren't, um, not that they're not good to do, but when you apply it to a real person, they have either too easy of a time or too tough of a time. So what I'd like to say to people now is, well, what would you consider a small to moderate calorie deficit for you? So if you were to take a couple of calories out of there, how much would you feel comfortable taking out? And if someone says, hey, I'd only take out 100 a day, go with that. Start there. So for me, that's the best thing to do is to get someone involved because I could say, hey, let's cut like 300 per day out. All of a sudden, this person ends up hungry. The, the number itself, 300 per day gone, is after spooking them a bit um, and they didn't want to do it. They had no buy-in. So now all of a sudden, uh, they're starving. They're, they're kind of binging, it, it's, at least on healthy habits. But if you have your baseline figure and you find a figure below it that you'd be comfortable in trying, would say, for example, you came in at a 2,500 calorie average and you said, I could try 2,400 or 2,350. Try it, right? Try it every single day for that week and monitor your body weight across the board and see how your body responds to it. If you don't end up losing any weight, double check, make sure everything that you did was accurate enough because sometimes 
databases like MyFitnessPal have a few inaccurate things in there, that's fine. And if everything was accurate, the deficit wasn't big enough. So what we what we found out here is that we've set a small goal and you've adhered to it, which is great. That's a, that's a win. And now we can push into a greater deficit and actually start eliciting some weight loss, right? So I, I think that that's the big thing is about stacking up little wins consistently and not just about fixating on percentage drops or anything like that. Because I, I think this is what I was talking about a second ago when I was rambling. I think people end up getting too specific too right away, right? And not letting people stack up enough wins to actually, because like if you get a win on week one, which is just adherence, we just said there was no weight change whatsoever. Like not, not even a bit. At least you got a full week of adherence to a brand new plan. Like that's awesome. That's, that's a small win on the way to a big win, right? And if you can stack up enough of these small wins week after week after week, you end up with a really, really big win, right? And that's the kind of things that we're talking about now is, is more so not, not trying to force people to abide by what we've seen in the literature, what we've seen articles written on, but kind of seeing like, well, what suits the person, right? And I think that makes a lot of sense, right? 100%. And I guess to kind of sum it up, momentum is probably the word you 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 gather a bit of momentum in week one and you just go from there and and you touched on it as well and it's, it's something i'm big on and I, i'm actually just reading um eric eric helms's book on the, the, the pyramids, and so on. pyramids? Yes, yeah, yeah exactly yeah solid and he talks about adherence is one of the first things he talks about in the book mm-hmm. and you just mentioned it there if you can get someone to adhere to something like calorie counting or tracking for a week and it's week one of their block huge huge win huge huge because i think that you can get those habits of just pulling out your phone scanning the yolk logging in the way whatever it may be they're, they're great habits if you want to lose or fat loss as your aim super habits to be ingraining at such an early stage mm-hmm. that's it man and like when you think about it uh, if someone comes to me and they put down like they might say to me my biggest thing that I, i'm just terrible at is adherence mm-hmm. i might not even change your plan for four weeks because the goal here, the, 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 the primary goal here is adherence. The secondary goal is going to be fat loss, right? If someone says to me, I just literally, I've never stuck to anything in my life. Well, for me, I'm going to have to see at least three or four weeks of you maintaining this tracking before we ever, because that, that's one thing, right? Like adhering to tracking is one thing on its own. Like people act like it's a part of something. That's one thing on its own. And we can't start into the fat loss phase which is a whole other thing. It's a whole other stressor to put on someone's life until they've got the adherence down, right? So if someone says, you know, Darren, man, I've never, I've never stuck with a plan in my life. I tend to get about three weeks in and everything crumbles, which is a very typical story. We're going to say, well, we're going to see at least four or five weeks of you tracking, right? And we're going to have good chats in between and we're going to uh, like just try increase the bonding between the client and the coach uh, to make sure that the person's enjoying it, you know? Maybe try up some new recipes and just just really get someone bought into the enjoyment factor of tracking, being like, good job. Even though weight's not changing, look at what you're accomplishing. You're tracking every single day of every week and you're absolutely killing it. And then four or five weeks down the line, all of a sudden they broke this little stigma in their head that they can't get around three weeks and now we can move into a fat loss phase. That makes loads of sense. That's brilliant because even from, uh, if you're just say you're trying the gym, want to lose fat loss so you have to go tracking calories and measuring food and it's just so much coming at once whereas if you just focus on adhering to something for four weeks my god it just simplifies it so much and as you, as you said they're people first you know? that's it man 
Yeah. That's it. And a lot of the time as well, man, like when people are tracking, they're also increasing training. Because we'll say like, if you just start tracking for the first time ever, chances are you're probably training for the first time ever as well. So that means you also have four weeks of training building in the background mm-hmm. and you put in the hard work there. So you're going to see results regardless, you know? Yeah. And so you, so tracking is obviously one, sorry, counting calories is obviously one method of tracking. Is there any other mm-hmm. methods of tracking? So say for example, someone is, and it can, can be, it can be a bit of pushback when it comes to counting calories initially, okay? sure. especially if someone isn't used to it. Yeah. Um, so is there any other methods maybe maybe just to wean them in or to slowly get them into the process of it there's a few really good ones man um, so some of my favorite ones before have been like just a written log I find that like brilliant you know um, now there's obviously huge setbacks to that like we don't know quantities right if someone says I had two bananas and a bowl of porridge this morning and we'll say a bit of honey in that you don't know what size the bananas were. You don't know how much porridge was in that bowl. And you don't know if they put in a teaspoon or a jar of honey into the porridge, right? Um, so what I'd like to do is for people that are against tracking, um, they could be typically a little bit older, which is perfectly fine. You know, you don't want to track, that's okay. Because the other side is we don't want to force someone to do that, right? So if you don't want to track, keep a written log. And every time that you have a meal, take a snap of it and let's piece all this together at the end of the week, right? So we've got these two things that we piece together uh, or sometimes what people might do is they'll keep the written log and they'll email me that and they'll take photos on WhatsApp and send it to me as they're eating it. Okay. Right. So I can piece those together. So now I have a rough idea of what they've got in front of them. I can kind of tell if they say like one small bowl of porridge, but you know, it was like, like this size. I'm like, okay, well now I, I have an idea of what you think is small. Right. And that's what you're trying to get to. And you're like, okay, can we change the size of that bowl? Or can we drop one banana? Or can we, instead of using the jar of honey, can we use a teaspoon of honey? Right? And you can start making these small changes that are going to put you into a calorie deficit. Right? And that's, how, that's kind of how we would do a different form of tracking. And that kind of comes more to um, the kind of the strategies I wanted to talk about in a while. Um, but like one of the cool ones is I, I had a client um really cool guy down here in limerick and he was going into triple xl on his t-shirts he wasn't comfortable doing calipers obviously he wasn't comfortable jumping on a wayne scale which is cool so i said to him i was like how are we going to quantify this what would what would make you happy um as a way of quantifying progress and he was like you know what my t-shirts he's like i'm just after tipping into a three xl I was like, that's good. I really like that. Let's, let's try to get you comfortable in a 2XL and then let's try to get you back to an XL, you know? So for the first two months of training, the only nutrition change that we made, I mean, the only one was coffee. So he said to me, and this is, yeah, myself and Danny have wanted to write this up for quite a while. It's like a bit of a case study of how you can manipulate things without tracking. Because we also have to say that there's a lot of people that tracking just wouldn't be healthy for do you know what I mean? Like it just wouldn't, it would be more detrimental and it would be good. And uh, he was one of those people. So with this, what we did was um, I was looking through his food log one day. I said, I was like, buddy, it's, it's, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out, is there anything else that you're, that you're missing in this food log? It was maybe about 2000 calories worth of food in a day. And I was looking, I was like, is there something missing? Anything at all? You know? He's like, no, I, said, I wouldn't like you, Gar. I was like, I know you wouldn't. That's why I'm trying to figure out what you're subconsciously leaving out of this, you know? And then we're chatting for a while. And then I noticed him pick up a coffee. I was like, oh, 
as you don't have any coffee on this list. I was like, oh, was I supposed to include coffees as well? I was like, oh, for sure, man. I was like, what have you got there? And he's like, I've got like a, a, a triple sugars, uh, caramel, whipped cream, venti, <laughs> mochaccina, you know, one of these mad things, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, I was like, okay. I was like, it's, that's, that's good. So I was like, you have one of those a day? He's like, I've eight or nine of these a day. Wow. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, okay. I was like, so we're after missing like two, 3,000 calories worth of hot beverages. That, that's, that was the missing piece, right? Okay, yeah. And like, that's really exciting because we're like, okay, let's, let's talk about how can we change this. And I said to him, I was like, let's, let's swap maybe two or three of these out for a black coffee. He's like, can I be honest with you? I don't even fucking like these things. I was like, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, the, the girls in the shop, they, they go down for themselves and they end up bringing me back one every time they go and I just drank it because I'm being nice I was like oh shit I was like so you prefer black coffee he's like I way prefer it so all we did was we got him to say to the girls in the shop that he was working in don't bring me back these like sugary coffees get me a black coffee instead I'm not joking man within two months he dropped from a triple XL to an XL wow now Obviously, two months of very hard training is what we can't, we can't leave that out. Yep. But that was the only nutritional change we made. Uh, we didn't want to change anything else. We wanted to see how he would respond to this, right? Like, we've changed such a big thing. Yep. We don't even know how it's going to affect him energy-wise because, like, that's two or 3,000 calories gone out of his day, man. Like, you know, it's crazy. So two months down the line, he's sitting, like, in a nice XL, delighted, training like a horse four or five days a week absolutely loving it and that was the ultimate buy-in man that that's what got him on board for everything else was just changing coffees alone huge difference it's amazing and it just and it shows you that just uh one thing can can have such a massive one component of your diet can have such a massive component sure. or massive knock-on effect to everything else for uh, sure man. and like that that was the one thing for me is that like oftentimes we try to relay how important not missing the small things are but this is such an extreme case that it just illustrates that point so well, doesn't it? Yeah. And it goes back to when, you, like, when we're logging stuff and if we're tracking to, to include everything. And obviously this man, to didn't realize he wasn't logging, just slipped his mind or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it just shows when you are doing this stuff to be 100% honest and include absolutely everything as best you sure. can anyway. Just you know? to be as mindful as you can because like, we even have that in our in our intros now, make sure you include everything that you eat and drink, yeah. including hot beverages such as coffees. That's actually in the top of our thing now. And it was just for that reason alone, because it's easy, man. Because if someone says, track everything you're eating, of course you didn't track what you were drinking because they didn't tell you to track what you were drinking, <laughs> right? They said, track everything you're eating. <laughs> and for some people, they just drink black coffee and water, like, you know, like me. That's it. And, yeah. and hardly no calories comes from that. But for some other people, they could have a fizzy drink or they could have a couple of points or they could have sugar with their coffee. Just, and it can add up very, very quickly is the point. For sure, man. That's exactly it. I used to coach um, rugby team and I remember doing their nutrition plans and one of the guys was a big dude, as most lot of are, but his diet was perfect Monday to Saturday about six o'clock. And then yeah. he went out with the lads and he was drinking. I did up the maths on it. I can't remember how many points it was. It was 3,000 calories worth of points. So I was pretty yeah. much saying to him, you were 
you were drinking another day. It's as if you had an eight day yeah. and you were drinking it between six and two o'clock in the morning. And I was just showing to him, and he was like, because I'm training harder than I ever was. I'm eating perfectly. I'm having a few points, but to him, a few points was the equivalent of a full day's. The body didn't recognize the difference. It was like, okay, we've an extra oh, day of food yeah. coming in here. It, doesn't, it didn't realize that you were having fun in the icon. <laughs> it, just yeah. seen, it just seen this, in, this influx of calories. Um, and, and it came in liquid uh, form. That's incredible, dude. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's, and look, it's just to be mindful of the clue everything, like you say, and both what we drink and what we eat. Um, just, around, just around strategies, Gareth, I heard you mention that. So would you mind diving a small bit more into that for us? Just like, maybe, yeah, particularly around the, non, the non, non-counting uh, counting strategies. Yeah. So like, uh, I, I go back to the same guy because this was, this was years ago, man. And this was the first guy that we started to trial things with to see if, because uh, he tried everything, right? And, and I love when people say that because it's like, okay, this is a real challenge. If you've tried everything, like chances of motivation are going to be like super low, right? Because y- you think that there's no hope. Like it's this kind of idea of learned helplessness, you know? Like there's nothing can help me. I'm, I'm stuck this way forever. Um, so other things we trialed after this, before kind of touching any more nutrition things, we focused on some movement first, right? So I said to him, I was like, how far are you from the shop in town? And he's like, I'm about, maybe about 10, 15 minute drive. I was like, okay. So it's like, if you were to cycle, how long will it take you? And he was like, 30, 35 minutes. I said, great. I was like, any chance you consider cycling? And he kind of laughed it off in the first week. You know, and I brought it back up in the second week. And like, I'm determined not to leave this go. You know, I said, any, any chance you try it? If not, I'll drop it here and I won't bring it up again. He said, you know what? I'll give it a go. So he ended up cycling in, cycling home every day. Left the car at home and only used it for like things he'd need to do with his family, weekend tasks. So that means when he was working Monday to Friday, he was cycling in, cycling out. We've an extra 30 minutes, 35 minutes of uh, exercise on either side of his day. He was also, he continued training through this whole thing, um, which ended up like just rapidly dropping body fat off him. Like I'm not even joking. He got so into it that he started timing how long it would take him to get from his front door to the shop every day. He was so excited. Again, imagine the buy-in, man. All we've changed is coffee up to this, right? And he's dropped two sizes of shirts. Then we introduce cycling, and all of a sudden, like, he's dropping down again. He can feel things getting looser again, you know? And that's such a good feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, things aren't as tight as they used to be. It's not hugging his belly. He's excited. And he started cycling. So then he started getting competitive with himself cycling, right? And I love that. So he was there. He was like, I want to do it in like 30 minutes, 28 minutes. So he's rather now in a casual cycle in the morning, he's getting up with this mind frame. Like it's time to go to fucking war. You know, I'm going to jump on this bike. I don't care. I'm going to fucking die if I have to run getting there in like 26 minutes or something. So he's pushing it the whole way in the whole way home. And like, he's just this new, newfound man. You know, he's just energy just pouring out of him. He's training nonstop, um, which is super cool. Uh, then he started telling me things that he started doing. He was like, when I do drive somewhere at the weekends, I park my car on the furthest spot just so I get an extra walk. I was like, I fucking love that, man. That's a great idea. I didn't thought of that one. That's a brilliant idea. You know, just to get some extra steps in his day, he was parking further away. He'd go into whatever shopping center, find the furthest spot that he could. The wife hated him. And he'd park and he'd walk the whole way over, you know? Um, he completely abstained from lifts. He would only use stairs. So all these small things that I didn't even 
say to him, he started doing of his own volition. So he was like, it was so exciting for him that he was like, man, what else can I do in my life? You know? Um, and then we kind of came back towards nutrition, right? So like, okay, well, what, what have we left to do here? And he was like, okay, so here's like, he's bringing his food diaries. We had the WhatsApp images. And he's like, what could I change with this? And I was like, okay, let's, let's start with some basics. I was like, you eat exclusively carbohydrates in the morning, right? So let's, let's put some protein in there. You know, what, what do you like? Do you like eggs? You know, he's like, yeah, he's like, I like eggs. I like protein shakes. I like whatever. Named out all the protein sources that he liked. And I was like, okay, you're going to put one of those in there in the morning. So like you either have like three to four eggs, you're going to have a shake, anything like that, you know? So all we did for, for quite a while, maybe another two to four weeks was alter protein content, right? Like even though it was bringing calories slightly up, which it would have, of course, his energy expenditure was so high. He's training four or five times a week, cycling in and out of work. He's taking stairs instead of lifts and he's parking in the furthest spot. We don't really need to worry about uh, energy expenditure for now because we're dropping so quickly. Like it's visible week to week how much he's dropping. Um, so energy intake actually probably went up for quite a bit as we included protein sources on each meal. Um, this, this really helped. You could see that like he was feeling like really recovered. Muscle mass was starting to come on um, big time. Uh, you start to get stronger. Uh, so like, that's basically all we changed for quite a while. Then after that, we said, okay, well, what's left? You know, because like your meals look good and, and most people do eat quite healthy, man. It's just kind of the composition and the amount of what they eat, right? Yeah. Um, then he suggested he wanted to have a takeaway day so that while he was in town, he was kind of having a takeaway here or there. And he was sending it to me. He's been very honest, you know. Yep. He was saying he felt like it was all too frequent. All his other meals were good. Like he was having some good like porridge and eggs in the morning, uh, chicken breast with some spuds at lunch, odd takeaway here or there. And his, his uh, dinner and stuff at home was great as well. You know, there'd be a chunk of meat and vegetables and some nice carbohydrates, whether it's pasta or potato or rice or whatever. But he was eating quite well. And he said, I'd like to, to look at takeaways. As you can, like let's not limit them too much, right? Let's not go crazy. But what are you eating at the moment? And we'd say it was like five a week. I say, okay, can we change it to three or two? He's like, yeah, sure, no bother, consider it done. Went back down to three or two. Then it went up for a little while, maybe like three or four, and then we dropped it down to one a week. Himself and his wife picked a takeout night, and they would have takeaway every week on that night. And because it was kind of like a designated thing that he did with his wife, he actually stopped eating takeaways on his own. So all of a sudden, we have this brand new guy, <clears throat> sorry, this brand new guy, and we ended up, man, at a medium was his final T-shirt size. Yeah. Wow, amazing. And, and like, th this, is, this is the idea that I, I think that most people, man, they, they really know what's healthy and they know what's good for them. Like, a lot of these suggestions weren't even mine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But if we can, as I said a while ago, when we were determining, like, what kind of calorie deficit to make, if you ask someone what's comfortable, and we asked about stacking up these small wins, all we had done is... Uh, taking a guy that was like he firmly believed nothing worked right like nothing at all and we just gave him some small wins you know we changed coffee how much of a small win is that and he preferred the coffee he changed them then we took cycling over the car obviously he saw more results so you do all of these things man it stacks up these small wins and then the, the idea did you ever hear of this idea of ambivalence man did you ever hear this um, heard the word i'm not 100 percent on it i just explain it. it it's the idea that people hold two conflicting beliefs and it's really true when it comes to like 
would say like the fitness industry, right? So someone could want to change, uh, but at the same time, they also don't want to change because change is scary. Mm-hmm. And change is scary because failure is scary, right? Yeah. And a lot of things that people have previously tried have failed them. You know, they've tried, like, um, we say, like, low adherence, uh, fat loss methods, like these kind of, like, group coaching models that I won't name anyone in particular. Yeah. Uh, but they've tried these things and it hasn't worked for them, you know? So over time, all these losses are adding up and it's made a huge loss, right? So if we can bring it back the other way, take win by win and stack them up very slowly, then people end up in a really good spot. And as we just said a second ago, they already know the answers. So if the coach is asking probing questions, like the right kind of questions, like, oh, so you want to change up your diet? How about we include protein? What protein do you like? And all of a sudden let them off and they're going to be like, well, I could have eggs at breakfast. I could have chicken at lunch. and I could have beef at dinner. There we go. You know, so people know the right answers already and it just needs someone to affirm it. That's all. It's just needs someone to go, yeah, good job. And off they go, man. And that's, that, that's the, the, the fat loss methods I've been using for quite a while with people that don't want to track mm-hmm. is kind of just asking the right questions at the right time, sitting back and seeing how it kind of affects them. Because most people know the right answer and they're happy to go with it, but they just need someone to tell them, no, you've made the right choice for sure. Go for it. Yeah, that's actually so simple. Um, that's amazing. And and me, like I, I regularly coach people regards nutrition, and I'm after learning bits, bits and pieces there. Do you know what I mean? So I can imagine what people, people at home are listening. Do you know? So to sum it up, right, uh, and to put it like a step by step, and correct me if I'm a little bit off, but like step one is to get adherence, get get buy in to what we're going to, and then maybe one nutritional change. And in this case, it was the coffee. Okay. So not, not to go in all guns blazing and make three and four. Okay. And this is somewhere, and I admit I've been wrong as a coach, where the person comes in and they're overly eager and they're willing to take out three and four things and you go with it. So it might not be a bad problem or a bad idea just to go, maybe just change one thing because adherence is probably going to be, is likely to be higher. Would you agree, Gar? 100% man. Okay. The, the more times that we see nutrition overhauls, which is what we call it, where yeah. someone comes in to try to change everything, you know, um, that's when people really fail, man, because you've taken down the structure around their life. Like everything that they know, everything that's habitually ingrained in them, you take the whole thing down in one go. And that can really damage someone's life structure, man. They go, they think about things too much, and then they revert back to old habits. Mm-hmm. So as you said, man, one small thing at a time, right? Yeah, perfect. And... So once we've got our adherence, one, one nutritional uh, alteration. Next, it sounded like we needed some exercise. So it was our cycling. Um, he was training in the gym, obviously. So we had an, an increase in exercise. And the fourth one was probably the one I heard most was the protein was increased. So it didn't kind of go into the finite stuff. Um, but like, again, people initially starting off on a fat loss diet would put protein right to the front, uh, or sure. reducing the carbs or reducing the fat where in reality there's three very important steps. And actually there's probably a fourth one snuck in there somewhere. It was, was, it was that he was enjoying the whole thing. As you said, he yeah. was making challenges and that's mm-hmm. very, very important. It probably, it probably blends into adherence that you actually enjoy it. You're more, far more likely to For stick sure, with man. it. Don't know if there's any science on that, but it's just something I believe. Um, you're For far sure. more likely to stick to something if you actually, you've got you to grow off it, you enjoy doing it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
No, um, and I, I yeah. would just include just one thing is that uh, I wouldn't put training as a second step. I would put training in the background of the whole lot. So the training's ongoing the whole time. That just, just to put that in there. Perfect. And the second thing would be kind of increasing movement from somewhere, mm. right? Whether it's cycling or uh, taking stairs instead of lifts or parking in the further spot or whatever. Like you can increase movement through those or even step counters. People love step counters nowadays, you know? Yeah, and um, they're, so, they're so common. That, that's, you're referring to, to knee there, Gary, are you? For sure, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so like prescribed exercise versus non-prescribed. So prescribed would be, yes, I'm going training right now. Non-prescribed would be, I'm going out mowing the lawn and as a byproduct of that, I'm going to be moving. Exactly, or exactly, yeah. parking the car, going shopping, mm-hmm. okay? So yeah, that's, super, that's really, really informative. That's like a step-by-step process. So if you're out there and you're like, I'm a lost cause, do not worry. There's no such thing as a lost cause. And definitely right now, definitely right now, You've probably gone through a couple of weeks where people's routines are a bit all over the place. Okay, bring it back to the basics. Okay, find something you can adhere to. Uh, reach out if you're struggling with any of this adherence type stuff, but start there. Find something you can get two, three, four, five days under the belt and build and build and build. And after that, it, it does. It's the most important thing, I think, adherence, isn't it? 100%, man. You've nothing without it. Honestly, you've nothing without it. And I, I, I don't mean to uh, like slam other approaches or anything, but there, and this is one of the topics I wanted to chat on was your thoughts on extreme diets. And what I mean by extreme diets, I'm not going to pick out any uh, brand or so on, but like going in hard. So for example, w- one that I'm familiar with at the moment is the carnivore diet, where they re- you just primarily have meat. Uh, yeah. And there's another one where like a vegan or a vegetarian, um, if, if you're doing that and it's not ethically related, you're just doing it from a fat loss. You're removing, you're removing meat or you have different approaches where they come in and they come in hard and you're probably going to see that drop off plummet down far quicker um, but adherence is probably is probably going to suffer a small bit what do you what's your opinion on we'll just say extreme diets are yeah just kind of a fast tracking it so this, this, this is kind of a double-edged sword right which is First of all, like the, the only thing that most of these diets are doing are, is creating a calorie deficit, right? If we look at like a standard plate and you have however much meat and carbohydrates on it, right? If you take meat out of your diet, you remove that from your plate and chances are you won't fill the remaining plate with carbohydrates. Uh, and then the opposite side, if you are on an all meat diet and you take those carbs off that plate, you're not going to fill the rest of those calories with meat. You're not going to, right? So my initial worry here would be, um, and the vegans and vegetarians of Sigma will kill me for saying this, but most people, when they do go on that kind of diet, they do lack in protein. Now, people that are well-versed in this world will say, oh, bro, we know how to get our protein. That's fine, you do, you know? But Mary and John that are trying this for fat loss don't. They don't know how to make up the discrepancy in protein intake, you know? So they, they don't know the advanced strategies that you guys do. And the same with the carnivore diet, well, carnivore diet is just silly. I'm going to just say that. <laughs> it's, I, I, I don't, um, I know two people who've tried it and um, it's, it's, it's a bad call, man. You know, it's, it's just, there's no, there's no goodness. It's just as bad as that. Have you seen the snake diet? No, but I presume it's. Oh, dude. So like you eat like, like a huge portion of food, like a snake would. Okay. And then you don't eat again for, I think it's three to five days. And you only drink salt water between. Like fucking snake, bro. Um, fucking disgraceful. Uh, but yeah, so all of these diets, what they're doing is they're creating a large calorie deficit, which 
the reason it gets like this kind of cult-like following um, is because it starts getting results very quickly, right? And there's one thing that we do know, right? Is if we were to, we'll just say you had a thousand calories on your plate. I know it's a pretty big meal, right? But you had a very well-balanced meal, lots of meat, lots of carbohydrates, whatever. And now you went carnivore and you take off all those carbohydrates and you have, we say, 400 calories left on the plate of meat, right? That's, that's how your diet's going. Uh, so we've caught 600 calories. You're going to start seeing some fat loss straight away. So that's obviously going to get you some buy-in, right? But if we took that well-balanced meal and cut that down to 400 calories alone, right, of, of a well-balanced meal, and you still saw the same weight loss and fat loss, the buy-in would be the same, correct? Like you'd be just as excited because you're still losing weight, you're still losing fat, so you, you're bought in. So sometimes, I mean very specific, this, this is not a coach specifically to know when to do this. Sometimes it is okay to push a calorie deficit very far down initially to get buy-in. Now, I know that that's contradictory to what I've just said, but there is special cases, and this has been studied extensively as well, that those who need some rapid weight loss, if they get that initial jump down in weight, all of a sudden the buy-in is huge, right? They've tried everything that hasn't worked, and then all of a sudden they have this method that's after knocking two stone off in whatever time frame, they're fucking hyped, you know? And then you can keep going from there because adherence will be higher because they're just so excited about something working. And it, this is the same thing that gets this cult-like following for diets. Um, just people are forgetting that the principles matter and not the methods. You know, like the, the methods is what we're talking about here, but the principle is the calorie deficit, right? Um, and what would... In certain instances, that, that, that's all I'm saying, just certain instances, that's, that's okay to do. Yeah, and yeah, so like, the, like obviously that initial... Uh, you know that the bite or that interest is there, but what would what would a drawback be to it then? We'd say like if we go in hard with one of these diets, um, where do we? For me anyway, looking in, I think like that doesn't sound overly enjoyable. Like a snake diet, or not never <laughs> eating carbs, or never eating meat. To me, it's like there's more enjoyable ways to lose weight. That's my sure. that's my big thought on it. Like, and obviously you can go into the nuances of like from a health point of view, why it isn't ideal. But the first thing that comes to me is like, why would I, why would I want to do that? <laughs> so that's a really good point, man. And when we talk about, we, we've actually done this talk multiple times for like different companies about principles versus methods, right? Because most people are very familiar with methods, snake diets, carnivore, veganism, you know, Weight Watchers, whatever. You know, most people are familiar with the, the methods. And what we always say to people is that if you understand the underlying principles of why something works, the methods through which you use don't really matter as long as you enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So you hit the nail on the head with that word enjoyment, man. So if someone says, you know, I enjoyed this, right? And now provided it's not leaving any glaring holes in like uh, essential nutrients, right? Yeah. Uh, which the carnivore diet might do. Um, if they enjoy it, I would say go for it, you know? Learn how to do it sustainably and go for it. Um, because again, we know that enjoyment is the key to adherence, but a lot of people will not enjoy these methods. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they try it was just because their friend had tried it and lost eight pounds or something. Right. And what this will end up doing is putting them back into that same cycle of we diet very hard. Uh, initially we see some results, we get a bit motivated, then things plateau, things get tough. And we kind of like end up eating our way back to the top. Then we try a different method. And it goes again and you end up in this kind of lifetime cycle, which is 
again, why we give that talk principles versus methods, because you want to understand the underlying reasons something works rather than just the method behind it, you know? Mm. No, that's a very good, that's a very good point. And, and actually a couple of years ago, I tried the ketogenic diet for a couple of weeks and I must yeah. say I actually enjoyed it. Um, for anyone who's unsure of the ketogenic diet, it's, it's where your primary uh, macronutrient you're consuming is fat. So if you think the stuff that's high in fat, it's going to be cream, it's going to be steak, it's going to be bacon, it's going to be eggs. There's actually an awful lot of nice stuff. But the point is that I enjoyed it. Tried it out for a couple of weeks and then I realized, you know what, I miss carbohydrates and I went back to that. But yeah. I actually did enjoy it. Was there a difference between having a balanced diet and a ketogenic diet? Not really. I just tried it because I wanted to, I wanted to test it out, and I was in that um, I was in that sphere of testing things. But um, yeah, I just I did, I did the same, man. Yeah, I did keto for quite a while as well. Yeah, it's back when I first started, like two thousand eleven ish. Loved it. Yeah, I, maybe I noticed an increase in energy. Um, and I what I put that down to, I'm probably gonna have a small bit off topic here or not, but I put that down to probably the less carbohydrates. So it was probably less of like a an insulin spike going on. Um, possibly I don't know if there's any truth to that something I read before but I did notice a bit more energy probably eating probably eating less too though so wasn't yeah. <laughs> yeah so kind of all it all bangs in together I suppose doesn't it yeah I, 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 I felt great on it too but it's just for me and my lifestyle it was too unsustainable you know yeah um, especially now man like I, I want to have a pizza on Saturday with my kids and you yeah. know I want to have a drink on whatever night, you know, if there's one or two nights. So I keep everything in moderation. It doesn't yeah. allow that Nikita, unfortunately. Okay, so we just got, okay, I've got one more. One, one of the, we've got to have answered one or two of the questions, but I've, I've one oh, question after coming in here, okay? Um, or sorry, the other day, and I want to get to it. I think it's really, really important, right? So we've established that like a balanced approach, and it's something I, I bark on about the whole time. I think a balanced approach is the most sustainable for most people. And it's going to be for most sure. enjoyable, okay? But can the, the typical or the, the, the sweet things or the bad things, can they fit into that balanced diet, okay? 100%, um, man. And how can someone do that, okay? Like, <clears throat> so a common thing to hear is, yeah, I, I have a great diet, but, and this, it, it, there's a dairy milk here, or there's a piece, slice of pizza here, or this or that. Mm-hmm. How can somebody, and can we explain, like, how can they integrate that into a diet that is still promoting fat loss? Or can sure. it be done? So we'll, we'll go with the, the kind of first thing we touched on today. If you were to track meticulously, right? If you were tracking and you had control of your calories and macros to very finite portion, right? Like you knew exactly what you were doing. We'll just say your allocation per day is 2,500 because we used that a while ago. We'd say that you choose a bar. It's 300 calories. Well, all we do is we put that bar somewhere in our day we take out the 300 calories, leaving us with 2,200 calories. And we use that 2,200 calories for the rest of our meals. So we have evidence there that we can fit in a chocolate bar very easy, right? One thing that I always do like to talk about when we talk about things like this is it's kind of like the frequency and amount that we have of it, right? So we say a 300 calorie bar once a day, as we just found out right here, isn't going to make that much of a difference, right? And in a non-tracking way, if you were to say, I had two dairy milks spread throughout my entire week. That also probably won't have a huge effect. That's 600 calories in your entire week, right? Not really that much of a big deal. Now, if we were to have three 300 calorie bars each day of the week, 
that's 900 calories for seven days of the week. Now that's a big difference. Now we've added a lot of calories in, right? So the thing to, to first of all think about is that no food is inherently bad, right? There's no such thing as a bad food. Uh, that's always important to consider when we do this because when we label things as bad, we start attaching guilt to it. And then when we attach guilt to things, it, it gets really weird for us, you know? So first of all, we got to realize that we want this chocolate and it's perfectly okay to want this chocolate. We're humans. It's highly palatable food. It was literally designed to trigger these things in our brain that make us say, hey, this is delicious, you know? And it is delicious and there's nothing wrong with that. So accept that it's okay to have a chocolate bar in your day. Track it. Take it away from the calories that you have within your day or space it out so it's not too frequent and not too many. Um, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, one thing to, to note here, there, there tends to be a kind of two different types of people, right? Uh, there's moderators and abstainers. Right? Have you ever heard this before, Dara? Um, no, but I think I know where you're going with it. Yeah, so like, this is really interesting. If you, if you kind of look at people like me, for example, if I had, uh, we say over the Christmas, I had this long sleeve of Jaffa cakes, like, you know, the hilarious Christmas, the huge ones. Yeah. And I opened it and like every day I would have like one or two after training. It's no big deal. I enjoyed them and it was, it was nice. You know, it went perfectly after training. Uh, but other people, so I would be a moderator in that sense, right? Like I can moderate my intake and for some reason, I don't know why, I'm perfectly okay with that, right? But the abstainer is someone that they have to completely abstain from it. That if they sat down and they had one Jaffa cake, they'd have the entire sleeve, right? That's me. So, is that you? Okay. Yeah, that's so, me yeah. and I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we have the perfect examples here, right? So for someone like you, Dara, the, the strategies you use are probably going to be very effective. So again, flipping the role is what we talked about before, asking probing questions. What would you do to mitigate that? What would you do to get around that? The big thing I do is I try and leave the sweet stuff until the nighttime. Okay, or the evening time. If mm -hmm. I start in the morning time, and I've done this where I could have my breakfast and be craving sugar for some reason, and, and that just starts a bad cycle of the day for me. Okay. The other thing would be uh, because I feel myself when I, when, if I were to have one Jaffa cake, I'd be like, what's the point? Whereas if I have a bag of something like a bag of popcorn, which might mm -hmm. have the same amount of calories, but it just seems an awful lot more to me. Um, yeah. it takes maybe five or six minutes to eat a bag of popcorn or it takes 30 seconds to eat a Jaffa cake mm -hmm. to me that has been a big one too having something in a larger quantity but a lower calorie or the same calorie uh, levels mm -hmm. that comes with awareness and you have to know how they balance out with each other but there are two things leaving them to late pushing them out I know I'm going to have it but I'm going to have it later on in the day uh, to me it's damage control and the really? second thing would be the, 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 the calorie volume. Yeah. The food volume to be on the higher end. Cause I guess I'm going to feel fuller after mm -hmm. I'm less likely to go and eat three bags of popcorn, but I would be very likely to eat three Jaffa cakes. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's brilliant. Two, yeah. That's brilliant. Um, and then the only other one that uh, I would add to it that I've seen people report time and time again, when I ask them, how did they get around it? Is they say they choose not to buy large quantities of things, which is great when they're grocery shopping, they, as you said, um, they're going to pick up something high in food volume and they're going to pick like two packs instead of the multi-pack. Mm -hmm. And they found that very effective as well. But that's spot on, man. I, I, I'd never even heard of that one before of uh, not starting in the morning, but starting in the evening. That's really good. 
it's just a, and it's just a practical thing. Um, I think another thing that I think is important too, right? If you like something sweet and you like something like a treat or whatever way you want to phrase it, going in all hard and totally abstaining from it from a day or two, if you genuinely enjoy it, it's probably going to lead to like a binge of it on the third or fourth day. Whereas if you can, and this is what I'm saying, I save it till even time. Uh, save it till I watch on television. And I know every evening I'm going to have something. Do you know what I mean? And I can plug that in. So I know, all right, I'm going to allocate three, 400 calories, whatever it may be. I'm to plug, pull that out and I get the other 22 or 300 calories. Perfect. That's the way I, that's the way I, that's my approach to it. I take out my, my treat, so to speak, but the other, the other portion of the day is perfect. That's excellent. As you said, it's highly practical, mm. which is what people want, right? And that's kind of what I was getting to at the start of this if we never went down this practical route, people might never have heard. Like, I, I've never even heard that. That's a great tip, man. I'm going to use that with clients now. That's brilliant. Um, but people need practical information, right? Yeah, oh, 100%. Um, it has to be. And I, again, I could be guilty of going into, you know, protein and carbs, this and that. But reality, people want stuff they can do day to day. I think this is why meal plans are so are so popular. People love sure. meal plans. Now, I'm, I'm on the fence when it comes to meal plans. I think if people have a bit of education, like what we're chatting about here, and a bit of awareness, you need never need a, never need a meal plan, really. Like you just learn to blend and push stuff in as, as yeah. you go along. But um, that's why meal plans are so, are, are so common, because they're practical and they're applicable to everyday life. Okay. I'm allowed to eat tuna and pasta, I'll eat tuna and pasta. I think that's, that, that's what it comes back to as well. For sure. Yeah. So... I think that's the most of what we wanted to go through. Um, so yeah, so like, so like I said, fat loss right now is so sorry. Right now is a really good time to get into a bit, of, like to really focus on fat loss. For a lot of us, we're probably stuck without a gym right now. Our training is definitely reduced or altered slightly, uh, but not to fear. We can just shift the focus and put it on the nutrition side of things and becoming educated and aware on how to implement like a fat loss or muscle gain or whatever it may be, now is a really good time. Um, For sure. Isn't it, Gar? Yeah, and the other side is that, like, from other people I've talked with, because I've seen, like, two different types, because, like, I coached quite a few people, and we didn't end up losing anyone throughout this um, pandemic, which was really cool. And I've seen two different types of populations. One is, like, all of a sudden, like, surging into really go-getter form. You know, like... You know, I, I woke up at seven so I could study for eight hours, meditate for two. Um, I built a house in my spare time. And, you know, like they're, they're, they're fucking, they're all, they're all in, you know. And then the other side is those who've maybe even previously been extremely motivated are feeling quite low at the moment. So it, it's, it's for people, it's quite tricky. It's, if you're excited to do it now, go and do it, you know. Um, but, but if not, I, I think quite a few people have taken this quite negatively, you know, being cut off and stuff and they found it quite tough. Uh, even as you said, like you're a very social person, which I would be myself. Um, so right now is the time, if you're that go-getter, go and get it. But uh, if, if you're finding it quite tough, don't beat yourself up about it because there's quite a few people in that boat and, you know, we'll all be okay pretty soon. Exactly. Now you said it, I think. And it goes right back to the very start. Keep your health at the very uh, pinnacle mm-hmm. of your interests. Okay, whatever it, is going to make you healthier person that includes your mental health of course uh, you do that okay you do what makes you happy at the end of the day but um gar i think we have the majority of nutrition for fat loss covered is there anything you'd like to yes. throw in 
No, man. Uh, like, it, I think we've touched on the stuff that I talk about time and time again, which is just make sure you enjoy it. And Because if, mm-hmm. if you're not enjoying it, there's no point in doing it. It will not be sustainable long term. Um, and take bits at a time, you know. So just that will be the summary. Create little daily and weekly habits. Let them build. And before you know it, all of these things that were quite tough at the start will be in the background. Mm-hmm. And you'll be focusing on something new. And uh, that's the key, man. Yeah. No, that's amazing. And the, the, what I love most about what Gar talks about, it is doable for absolutely everyone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're young, old, whether you have lots of money or no money, you can do this kind of stuff. You know, it, it doesn't, these are simple, they're, as you said, principles we're talking about here, not anything abstract or overly challenging. They're everyday, everyday person can do all of this stuff. Um, so thank you, Gar. I really, really appreciate My you pleasure. coming on. Um, I know people are going to get some real benefit out of this. And thankfully, I haven't talked for too long. We nearly have it bang on an hour, which is what, which is what I wanted. I had Excellent. Arthur on the last day and we, we were chatting for, I don't know, 90 minutes or even more. Um, so we're trying to keep it to roughly about an hour. So I just find, again, <laughs> adherence for people listening is probably more likely. 60 minutes is more, uh, is more sure. a normal time frame. Um, Yay. <laughs> So, Gar, thank you very, very much. I really thank appreciate you, jumping on. Okay, and if anyone wants to find you, Gar, how would they? How would they go about that? Uh, so, I'm on Instagram as Gar Ben. There's only two people on Instagram under that name. <laughs> One is me. The other guy is a guy who's a photo of a washing machine. So, fuck that guy. Uh, but this is quite funny. I first brought this up in a Nolith podcast with Arthur. If you listen this far, if I didn't bore you already and you get to this. Go on and like that washing machine. Because I like flicking on every now and then and seeing who's liked it. Uh, that's the other guy, Ben. Uh, and then if you want to get in touch with me about anything um, that's more private that you don't want to talk about through social, just contact me at gar at cityjmlk.com. Okay. Yes. Perfect. That is fantastic. And hopefully, Gar, in the, in the coming future, I'll be able to get down to Limerick, get some training in, and the powerlifting world will be uh, reinvigorated and back to normal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so, Thanks for tuning in today, guys. That is today's episode and we stay safe and we'll see you all soon.